0: Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, with your host, Dr. Virdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Virdra Jackson. Welcome to Living Strong, the
1: flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veardra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. You know, when I was preparing for this conversation this evening, I used Bruce Garbrandt's quote, creativity doesn't wait for that perfect moment. It fashions its own perfect moments out of ordinary ones. So often people equate creativity with being artistic. But to me, creativity is far more limitless than that. It is your authentic expression of you. And tonight's guest will share her story of how it not only reflects you, but it nourishes you as well. I am excited to have my soror, Dr. Dr. Shonda McMenis with us on the flip side. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Dr. McMenis is a board certified family practice with over 20 years of experience in caring for families. She is an active member of the American Academy of Family Physicians and the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. She is currently practicing in Middletown, New Jersey, where she provides care for patients throughout their lifespan. Dr. McMenis believes in a holistic, family-centered approach to health. She is passionate about lifestyle medicine, which promotes health by encouraging patients to follow a healthy diet, exercise, and manage stress. And you know, on the flip side, we are always talking about how we can combat that stress. She's been working on the front lines throughout the current pandemic. Dr. McMenus is also an accomplished writer. Her writing has appeared most recently in Bellevue Literary Journal and Intum Journal of Narrative Medicine. She focuses on the intersection of race and medicine in her work. Dr. McMenus is thrilled to be a Penn American Emerging Voices Fellow this year. And with all of this, she is also a wife and a mother of, yes, five children. Woo! (laughs) The woman is busy and phenomenal at the same time. So will you please welcome to the show, Dr. McManus. Welcome.
2: Thank you, Dr. Jackson, that was fantastic. I am so happy to be here with you today. I am a great admirer of your work. Um, You are just, you know, someone I look up to. You are a beacon to so many people and just how to live well. And I really, really admire and appreciate that. So thank you for
1: having me. You know what Sora? I so appreciate you and your voice and your message. And I know as we unpack creating room, space in our lives to be creative, I know your wisdom as we've had some wonderful conversations around that healing experience. You are absolutely going to enlighten and inspire others this evening. And so I want to jump into our conversation. So I talked a little bit about how creativity is defined for me. I'd like to get your take on it. How do you define creativity?
2: That's, that's a really good question. For me, creativity is when you make something from your soul. So that can be anything. You know, traditionally we think of like, you know, art or music or dance or writing, but it really can be anything that comes from that place in your soul where no one can touch or see. It just comes out of you, you know? And I think that everyone, everyone has a place of creativity in their heart, you know um, but you know unfortunately sometimes in life that you know you feel like you can't let that part of you shine, but it is there and I feel like every human is blessed with that creative energy.
1: I think it's empower it's very powerful that you say everyone, because I encounter people over and over again that are quick to say, I'm not creative. And when we use your definition, that it is that part of you that comes from your soul. If we are willing, as you're I'm sure going to talk about during the show, if we're willing to give ourselves space for our authentic, our soul to actually be exposed outside of whatever pain, whatever um, discomfort, whatever fear, whatever shame might be clouding it, people, more people, I think, would be able to say, you know what, just because I'm breathing, I am impacting, I am creative.
2: So powerful. Yes, you are absolutely right.
1: As I think about your journey uh, as a medical doctor, and an author. I'm curious, can you tell us about your journey towards becoming a writer? Like how, how did we get here? Oh,
2: that's, that's a question. So I, you know, growing up, I always loved books. I love stories. I love reading. And those were my heroes. Um, those writers, Judy Bloom and, you know, but as I grew older, I just felt like, well, I can't afford to, to sit around and write books. I, you know, I, I need to do something more, you know, secure, more, you know. So when I went to college, I actually did major in English, but I took all my science um, requirements for medical school as electives because I just felt like I couldn't really commit to pursuing like a literary, um, you know, a literary life. You know, so I kind of put that away and I just kind of went on the track. I went to medical school and residency and in there I got married and had a family. And so the idea that I could write was far, far away from me, you know. And then a few years ago, I just kind of felt like, you know, there was something, something I was missing or something, something more, you know, not that I was unhappy, but there was just, And I was driving down the busy street in my town and I saw a little sign on the lawn. It said community writing class. And it just sparked like, hey, why not now? Maybe just try. And it really was just for my, so it was once a week, an hour class for once a week that I made time for. And I was what I would call a casual writer. You know, I wrote little things for classes, a couple pages here, a couple pages there. Um, But it wasn't until January of 2020 that I said, you know, maybe maybe I could write a a whole book. You know, let me, let me, let me. So I enrolled in a class. It was about 10 people. And the goal was we're going to help each other get a first draft of a book done. You know, so I had this fiction idea that I said, oh, let me, let me play around. And all of a sudden, here I am in March and the pandemic hit. and it really, really kind of made me pause and think about what is it that I want to say, that I need to say, that if, if something happened to me that I would have a regret that I didn't say it. And it was really um, kind of my story, my journey, um, a memoir that I've had in my heart since I was a teenager. And I just said, you know, it's, it's now or never. So I I put that novel project aside, and I I started work on a memoir. And it covers my growing up in North Philadelphia. And at the same time, you know, throughout my childhood, my mother fought cancer. So it's just that story of coming to age with that in the background. And also my parents loved both of them to death, but they had a lot of marital problems going on. And so it was really that story that I felt like this can't wait, you know, and, and it wasn't even about like sending it out in the world. It was just about saying it and kind of going back over it and and kind of really being there and, you know, kind of as you write, you figure out what you have to say and what and really how you feel. And it felt like I had time to totally process. Those events from like thirty six years ago, so, so that's kind of
1: how how it started, you know. Wow, and and you know what? As I listened to you, it there was accountability, so you found kind of a tribe or a group to to get you started, and like many people, during this pandemic, sought an opportunity to connect with something significant and you and i have had conversations around how connecting with our story and actually saying things out loud that may not have we may not have con- completely connected with as children or in in the background that we didn't reconcile that there's power in putting pen to paper and i'm curious What did you learn about yourself as you went through this process that you may not have even realized before you began? You know, a couple things.
2: One, that I could stick to the writing habit. Like I said before, I was a casual writer. So as time for class, oh, a couple, the night before I'm writing what I need to turn in to, you know, I I write daily as a practice. You know, as kind of a vocation, like you know, establishing the habit. Like I do this every day. It's integral to to how I set myself up to begin my day. And I think I would have never in a million years thought that would be me. You know, Um, so that's one thing that I could could commit to something like that long term. You know, it's almost going to be two years of doing it like that way consistently, and also like as I, you know, my particular story, you know, you you tell yourself a story about your story, but that wasn't quite the whole story. So I really felt like as I went back and I reflected kind of on my mother's life, I really could feel like, cause I always felt like she passed away when I was 14. I always felt like I, I didn't have enough of a mother or I just kind of got cut off. But then as I went back to that story, she had put everything I needed, you know, into me in that, that compressed time period, you know. And, you know, throughout the book, I refer back to things she said to me when I was maybe five years old, maybe 10 years old, maybe 12 years old that are relevant to me today. And mm-hmm. as a person, as a mother, as a doctor, as a caregiver. Um, so I was really kind of, I felt like, You know, I had something all along that I thought I didn't have.
1: Wow. So being able to recognize now, I know when I ventured out to start my first book, I actually hesitated for a long time because I didn't think I had anything to actually say. Was there actually something in me that was worthy of sharing of um, putting pen to page and actually producing an entire book. But there was something you just shared just prior to that statement that first, it wasn't actually fully about producing something to put on market. It was about you reconnecting with your story. And when I think about some of our prior shows, we had Diane Wagenhaus on the show, Um, who's very good friends with Dr. Bruce Perry and is the director of Lakeside Global Institute that does trauma training around the globe. And her whole series was around processing our narratives and the power that happens when we take the time to dig into not just the story we're telling ourselves, but the real story. <laughs> exactly. What, what do you think about that? I think that that is that is
2: spot on because you tell yourself a story about your story, but when you really go back and you're you're honest, and it's also about confronting fear, you know. Because what if, what if that story that I was believing is not correct? Then what? You know, everything I've been building on. You know, so there's a great amount of fear about really going and looking at something as honestly as you can and accepting that those parts, those wonderful parts and those not wonderful parts and allowing yourself to feel it, you know? When you lose a parent as a teenager, you are not a completely emotionally mature person. And I think that parental loss can stunt some of that growth and you really don't feel it. Mm -hmm. And in a way that's so now there decades later, I can go back in and feel all those things. So it was really kind of, like I said, a risk. And at some points and and kind of I I really had to admit myself that I had avoided that because I said, oh, wait, I'm okay. I have my career. I have my family. Am I going to go digging up some stuff that could possibly, you know caused me to be unbalanced, you know, but that's, that's the risk. And there were some emotional moments where I'm just like, oh my gosh, am I crying like this just happened? But, you know, it was, it was necessary and it was healing. And now I have claimed the whole experience and I'm far, far more whole than ever before, just by going back and really kind of living that Living wow. through that and letting it sit with me.
1: You know, when you said I claim that whole story, that just gripped me. Because I think of so many people who are either living out of a fractured story or they are stuck in one part of a story and haven't been able to move forward but the power of being able to claim your whole story, that must be so freeing. And it that now that went to my soul. <laughs> <laughs> as we get ready to take a short break, we're going to take a commercial break. Uh, and thinking about, you know, it's hard to improve when you have no one but yourself to follow. And as Dr. McManus just shared with us how she created or connected with the community in order to grow as a writer. Living Strong Consulting provides every month free growth webinar. It's the first Tuesday of every month. And this Tuesday coming up, November 2nd, we're actually exploring the law of modeling, the challenge of being able to identify the individual that will support you, mentor you. And I ask you, do you know how to pick a mentor? Do you know the difference between a mentor and a coach? These are just some of the questions that we will answer on November 2nd. It's every first Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you'd like to be able to join our growth crew, go to my website, www.livingstrongllc.com and get your spot. It's free. And the community has been together all of 2021. And we want you there. Get intentional with your growth plan. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The first challenge in growth is leading yourself. But what do you do when you have led you as far as you can take you? Now what? Do you know how to pick a good mentor? Do you know what to do with the relationship once you find a good mentor? Do you know the difference between a coach and a mentor? These are all questions we answer and develop strategies for in the law of the model. When we live this law, we are able to show others the way to be empowered and expand their capacity. We've been going through the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth by John Maxwell during this entire 2021, and we are on Law 13, the Law of Modeling. It's hard to improve when you have no one but yourself to follow. Join us for this law on November 2nd at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you would like the opportunity to be a part of our growth crew, join us at livingstrongllc.com and become an insider to get information first for registration. Again, The Law of Modeling, November 2nd at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The webinar is free and it's designed for you
0: to grow. This is Living Strong, the Flip Side of Adversity with Dr. Veard Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into one 888 346 9141 That's one 888 346 9141 You may also send an email to info at Now back to Living Strong, the Flip Side of Adversity.
1: Welcome back, we have been having a conversation with Dr. Shonda McMenis, and it has been uh, one in which she has opened her heart to be transparent about her process of exploring her own story, becoming brave, and accepting um, her entire story And in that process, she began by saying that she realized that she could be committed to a process of writing, and she found a community to get that started. I'm also wondering, were there any other ways that you were supported in this journey as you became more of a writer and an author? Yes, well,
2: the first I really want to spend a little time talking about the writing community that I was a part of. It's a group of about 9 of us and really we just we check in with each other on Slack every day. We're saying how's it going? We meet twice a month and that has really incubated. It's actually called the, the Novel Incubator. Incubated, and you just have that community support, and someone besides you cares whether you put that time into writing. And so I really would underline whatever creative thing you might be thinking about, find some like minded people. Just, you know, if it's knitting, if it's cooking, if it's doing hair, just a couple people in your community and your tribe can really just inject you with like you know excitement and also they pull you along oh I'm stuck at this part or I really don't know or I feel like why am I even doing this and someone will come along and say no you you know and that really really makes all the difference in the world I can tell you absolutely
1: so Dr. McManus, we have a question from Crystal Manis um And uh, you may have started to answer it, but hers is really specific where she says, where can I find a community to help me get my first draft done? I'm more than three fourths of the way done to my first book.
2: Oh, congratulations, Crystal. That is you are almost there. Well, I would start local start where you are, start looking around to see what is right around you, because there are writers in every community. You know, if you're nearby a city or kind of a good-sized town, there will be a community. Um, And also, there are a lot of writers on Twitter, okay? Twitter has a whole sub-community full of writers, you know, definitely. Um, Your local... um, Colleges also, if they have master's programs, sometimes they have side writing groups, and then there's always online. You know, because it was the pandemic, my writing group was online. Even though we we, we are in the same community, we couldn't meet. And it was just as strong on Zoom. So if there's nothing local, widen that net, net to online, there are plenty of things that are accessible and not too expensive that you can really get that. Um, also, Facebook has binder groups um, for writers. So if you check that out too, that is also like an accountability group. You can also find beta readers, like readers of your first draft and those Facebook binder groups. So I hope that helps or gives you somewhere to start, Crystal.
1: I hope you had a pen ready, Crystal. (laughs) She just gave at least 10 nuggets. I don't think they were ready. (laughs) That was amazing. I had no idea that there were writing, writing groups on Twitter. That is amazing. So I want to shift gears just slightly. Sure. And... Let's talk a little bit more about your process of moving out and creating space. There are so many people right now. uh, I know that I coach individuals and so many clients are talking about how they're so pressed for time, how they are feeling overwhelmed, stressed out. uh, And so I'm curious why do you think it's so important to make room to be creative or to create even in such a time as stressful as this?
2: Okay, that's a that's a great question because you would think it's in the middle of the pandemic. And for the first two to three months of the pandemic, I was working alone in an office just to reduce the exposure, seeing patients suspected of COVID. I just did that. That's the only... And so... That was that was kind of stressful, okay. And I had um, I still had three school school-aged children at home, in um, dealing with that online, and you know just the toilet paper hunt that was going on, and you can only <laughs> buy so much chicken, and I'm like I got five people, I need more than one pack of chicken, so all that's going on, yes. you know. So so I really had to find that space. So these are some ways that I found it. One getting up before everybody else. Now that just kind of, that time, that time between five and six, guess what? Nothing is going on, you know? And that means the night before I have to go to bed. So that means streaming, Netflix, you know? Like, so so I would tell people to be honest about how you're spending your time. Like really, like just for a week, write down what you do. What, honest, Be honest. No one else is going to see it but you. Okay. And I truth. would tell you 100% you will find time. And also, you know, it doesn't have to be a big two hour period. Some days I had 15 minutes and I said, well, I'm going to sit at the desk for 15 minutes you know, and I'm just going to be, account, and then the rest of the time when I'm in the shower, I'm thinking about that part of that sentence I was thinking about, you know, <laughs> but, but I train my brain that every day we go there for some amount of time. And also for, for the women, for busy families, often we find ourselves with the caretakers, children, parents, other people, a lot of people are depending on us. Um, but sometimes those dependents have
1: to learn to respect your time. And I will tell wait, you, wait, so, excuse me, excuse me. I, I, I need you to say that one more time because there, there is there is a mother out there who needs to hear that one more time. Say that. Yes, again, slow. Your dependents
2: have to learn to respect your time. OK, mm. and I taught my dependents and my husband and everyone how to respect the time by taking it. They saw me at that desk and and listen, I didn't have my own office in my house. I was in that family room. And you know, mom, where's my, where's, hey, can we? And I just I didn't talk to them. I just they and 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 it took some training. But eventually, when they <laughs> see me sitting at that desk, they don't talk to me. Or, you know, unless it's an emergency. And there's never really, really, really an emergency. They just get used to always having access. And so you just have to train them that, and, and when they see that you respect the time, right? Mm. This is important to you, mm-hmm. then that they, they get that. And also I would have to say, giving myself that creative space made me a better mother, a better wife, a better doctor. It fed my soul in a way that I felt like I was flowering. So when they see that, mm then that's even more, they're even more in line with the training to, to respect the time,
1: you know? They end up seeing the benefit in the end. Was there any guilt? I I hear oftentimes when I am working with women's groups uh, out in the community or or even when I'm coaching. Yeah. There's the, this whole conversation around, but I feel so guilty that because they need me. Was there guilt that you had to manage or navigate?
2: You know, and maybe it's where I am. Um, like as a mother, I have five children. My youngest is 13 and my oldest is 27. So I've been a mom for, for some time. And I think, and for young mothers and mothers just getting started, if you just step back and thought of all the things that you do for your child and your family all the time. And really, really accounted that there should be no guilt. You know, I think about the hours on the soccer field, the hours at the dance studio, the driving back and forth, the going shopping, the keeping the food, they're buying the clothes, the, 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 the on and on and on, being available for homework and everything else you, you give I would say most mothers here and within the sound of my voice have given a thousand percent. Okay. You can take 1% of yourself.
1: Powerful. So I think you began to unpack this a little bit, but I'd like us to revisit it and look at it even closer. So how do you think the power of creativity to nourish your work as a medical doctor, how does it also connect to the healing experience?
2: That's really interesting. Um, you know, before I talked about claiming my whole story, right? So in doing that, that was healing for me. So I myself was healed by doing that. So now when I go in the situations where I found myself, when I was talking to patients, I just felt more connected to them with their story. Like I was I was hearing and I was accessible in a way, you know, like claiming your own suffering, your own pain, your own hardship, and being in tune to that opens you to be able to receive what other people have from that end instead of having a little barrier, you know? You you can fully engage and you can come really close to people, in a way that you don't have fear, right? Because you know you you've come back from that, you know. So I really felt like it it made me a better listener, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 during this pandemic, I mean, there's always some of it, but I've seen a, a big increase in grief and anxiety and just. Just hurt and t- turmoil. It's been really hard on people. I'm sure, you know, I've had people come in confess- confessing to, you know, increased alcohol use or breakdown in their relationships, or people have suffered loss of loved ones or jobs. And just, I felt like I was more present and more able to engage with people there and open myself up to fully listening and not. Trying to hurry them out of the office with a prescription for something or other, just really listening and giving them that space. You know, my nurses joke: "We always can tell when you're working because it's tissues all around this room." <laughs> 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 but, but, crying I, but, is cleansing. Yeah, yeah, and I re- and I really felt like you know, I could I could go further with my patients into their pain. And not fear that if I got too close to the pain, I might I might start thinking about my own pain and have a breakdown in this room. And I got like 20 more people to see today. So that's what wow. it did for me.
1: You just picked up a conversation that I had that earlier this week um, with clients who are actually going into homes during this period to... Uh, do home visiting, to work with parents, to work in the community. And one of the things that we discussed is if you're afraid of being triggered by your client or your patient or the family you're serving, then you can never fully be present in the moment because as soon as you think or you even feel the sensation of that trigger arising, you're going to shut down and retreat, whether you recognize it or not, and come out of that more exhausted because you were battling the trigger during that whole experience versus having dealt with why does that sound, that emotion, that comment, that grief, that experience, why does that bring those emotions, those sensations, that response up for me, get clear and claim your story. I'm writing that. I'm going to tweet that. Somebody who is out there right now, tweet it right now. Dr. Shonda (laughs) McManus, claim your story. But once we claim our story, triggers don't have the same power. And so you're not running or shielding yourself from being triggered, you're actually recognizing the pain. And as you, as you said, you already have experienced how you healed from it. So you're not afraid of it. Exactly. I 100%, you're not afraid to get close to the furnace. You just,
2: Mm. you can go all the way in and you can really, I felt like I was really there for my patients in another, on another level. You know, and I think that that was really due to really getting in touch with what was going on in my background. And it was buried way down deep, you know, but once I dug it up and looked at it and said, "Okay, this is my stuff. You know, this is all my stuff. And and it really I felt like it um, opened me a way to to be able to help my patients towards healing and towards facing whatever they were facing. And listen, I couldn't make the pandemic disappear or the job come back, but I could be with them and really connect with that part. And then we could figure out, okay, so what's the strategy or how are we going to get you to, to sleep so you can get up and help those kids with that Zoom school, <laughs> you know?
1: Yes. So. <laughs> but you just said, you again, you nailed it again. How often people are thinking that it's their responsibility to solve the problem. We often talk about, instead of trying to solve for the problem, solve for the stress, because if we can figure out how to solve for the stress, regardless of the problem, you have helped that person become more fortified to move forward, and then you can talk about strategy. Then most people actually know that you can't solve the problem but they wanna be heard and they want you to be present enough to be able to listen and, and seek understanding. That's 100%. Wow. We are coming, yeah, we are coming up on another break. Uh, and hold on because we still want to be able to hear about what Dr. McMenis is doing, currently what projects she's working on and how is she navigating new projects and (laughs) continuing to parent. (laughs) Five children, y'all. Y'all heard that, five children. (laughs) So I want you to hold on again. If you have not registered yet for November 2nd, our 13th, we are on Law 13, the law of modeling in the month of November. If you don't know how to pick a mentor, if you don't know how to cultivate and use appropriately a mentor, and you have those questions, join our growth community every first Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is free, it is live, and it is intentional. Go to my website, www.livingstrongllc.com, and we look forward to you registering and joining our community. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America life is now in session are you present we don't get a dress rehearsal in life so why not grab every moment you can to grow join me every first tuesday at 7 p.m eastern and 4 p.m pacific for our live webinars we're creating a growth plan and unpacking the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth by John Maxwell. Instead of waiting for growth to just happen by accident, let's get intentional about creating a growth plan for you. Let's do it together. Log in to www livingstrongllc.com and grab your spot for first tuesdays at 7 p.m eastern and 4 pacific and let's grow together it's your time
0: this is living strong the flip side of adversity with dr veardra jackson to reach the live show today, call into 1 346 9141. That's 1 346 9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome
1: back. We are having a conversation that is uh, powerful, insightful, encouraging and engaging. We want to be able to unpack how Dr. McMenis has been able to balance not only her medical career, but her writing career. And so balancing uh, your medical career and your new projects as a parent. You know, I think, you know, it goes back to
2: you make time for what's important, you know, and um, the needs of your children, your family, what I found is they always get done right there's always going to be dinner everyone's going to go to school there's going to be uh, school clothes gotten and college visits taken um the thing that may get put to the side is is the writing so a strategy I use is just to put that first put that early in the morning because I know that grocery shopping that's going to get done you know So sometimes there's a temptation to do all these other things first, but those things get done every day. So I really feel like, especially as time went on, more and more confident to taking the writing time first. And like I said, every day, it's not two hours, literally. Some days it's 15 minutes, you know? Some days it's 20 minutes, but some days I get a little bonus and it's two or three hours, (laughs) you know? So I think just capitalizing and really making it a priority. We make time for the things we believe matter. Right. You know, if you believe it matters and it's important and, you know, everyone who can hear me talking, you eat every day. You make time to eat or or there's a problem. Right. Or, you know, like, oh, I only Absolutely. ate once and you can't get that out of your head until you get to eat twice or three times. So it's the same thing. And and I really felt that my my writing just fed me in the way that I wanted to just keep keep eating that way. So it was really mm-hmm. it, it made me just more. More fuller you know, and more, more flush, mm. you know, before I started really writing regularly, I would find myself just feeling kind of run down. I go to work, I take the kids thing and I do this. And then I fall into bed, exhausted. And then I get up and do it again. And it was just like pouring out, pouring out and pouring out. And I felt like I was getting real thin inside, you know, but I I, I couldn't identify what that was, you know, why am I, I'm doing all this stuff and I'm just feeling kind of like more and more diminished inside. I'm not saying, oh, that's great," you know, when when I should be, right? So I think that mm-hmm. putting that creative piece in there, making space for myself and my own life really really just allowed me to be fuller and feel full, yes. feel full. You know that, that vitality I love that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. I love the, the visual of feeling full. Even though many times when we feel short on time, we're worried that if I take time to do this thing for me, that something is going to get shortchanged. But as I think about the visual you just gave, that when you just kept pouring out, it actually had you feel thinner on the inside. But being able to create that creative balance, create space for you and training your family to recognize your time was Mm -hmm. your time that it was valuable for you that actually made you more full than the constant pouring out. And you know, the old adage of not being able to give from an empty cup. And so it sounds like writing for you kept filling your cup in some ways. 100%,
2: you know, filled my cup that I didn't realize I was running around half empty all the time. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. like, you know, okay. I, because When I took that time first to create all through my day, as I'm, when I'm seeing patients, when I'm caring for my family, when I, I felt like, okay, I've already eaten. So now I can feed everybody else. I can feed everybody else because I'm not standing around hungry, (laughs) you know? And so I really, really, you know,
1: kind of could feel
2: that in action. It's 100% true.
1: Wow. So what are you working on now? Tell us some of the projects that you're currently working on. Uh, What are you exploring? Okay, so the memoir that
2: I worked on uh, through 2020 and revised this year right now, it is out on what we call query. So I have a full complete manuscript and I am soliciting agents for representation. Um, literary agents and from and and in the hopes that I will land in literary agent and then she can start submitting my work to publishing houses to be published to see on the shelf one day so that's very exciting um, so so that first project is is out you know that has been sent out nice. and I'm just waiting for the return on that and then when I finish the draft of that project It's just something just came bubbling up that I didn't even intend to write. I'm working on a second memoir, and it's a memoir in letters that actually, um, they're all written to my brother, who was murdered at age 20. Uh, We were very close, only 18 months apart. And again, I will say, you know, after he was murdered, I just packed that away with everything else. I I just shut it down, you know? So writing that first story, let me get to where I could get to this story. And all the things I wanted to say, I wanted to explore, everything, that's all what, what what I'm pouring out now. So I'm actively drafting that. I'm about, you know, maybe 70% through the first draft and I have to revise. But it's been so, I, I really feel like it's almost like, I don't know, I don't know what word, resurrected. Resurrection, I feel like because I, I was mm-hmm. thinking about him and about his life and how, you know, my children don't know him. Even his children don't really know him. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know, I, I want to write about him. I want him to be remembered for as long as I'm remembered. And and um, it's a, it's about us and our relationship. And but it's also about larger issues that affect um Black people in America, you know, mass incarceration, um, you know, there there's so many things, um, you know, welfare and that whole how poverty, how that infect, infects, you know, um, I talk about code switching and I just talk about a lot of issues through, through, the, through the vehicle of writing to my brother. So I'm really excited about that. Um, wow. And that's that's kind of where I am you Know and then I do some side, I, I write some essays on the side. Um, I have an essay coming out in the literary journal called Crazy Horse, it's actually excerpted from my first memoir. Um, it's a piece called Fingernails, so um, look out for that. And um, yeah, so I'm just kind of
1: pushing along, putting my work out there. Amazing, uh, amazing. So I want you to imagine someone who is listening who has been afraid to get started. They're uncertain and they're feeling overwhelmed in the season we're in. What would be some closing advice or nuggets you would give that person who's listening, who, who's afraid? Who's afraid. When you first commit to the
2: time, commit to sit down and write, and not the results. Just sit down and write. And when you are writing, think no one's gonna read what you've written but yourself. It's only you're writing for an audience of one. So that helps you not to censor and just keep going in that vein till you get to the end because you really don't know what you have until you put it all out there. So let yourself be unfettered and just be free. You're only gonna look at that paper, just you. And And that that gave me a lot a lot of freedom when I was writing um, my memoir, you know, because you're not saying, you know, how good is it or what's this person gonna think if I write this? No, you're you're totally free in this little bubble you create for yourself, for your eyes only. You can work all that out through revision later.
1: Wonderful. You know, I think about how you have walked us through, connecting with ourselves, getting clear on our story and not being afraid to go in and actually process our own narrative so that we can be free and how that then fills us up so that we can show up full for others and the intentional nuggets that you were able to share on how you make a commitment and you have taught others to respect your time and how, as you now are doing multiple projects that create for an audience of one initially all the way through and don't get distracted by, will this be good enough? The story is yours. Dr. McManus, this has been amazing. Amazing. I want, as we get ready to close out, can you tell people how can they find you?
2: Okay, so Dr. Jackson, thank you. I love this conversation. I could talk to you for another hour. Look for me on Twitter, at ShondaMD. I'm there, I post about my writing journey. I will link to articles, pieces, Um, That's the best way to kind of check out what's going on and be encouraged and, um, you know, open up yourself to creativity. You You won't be sorry and you will be full at the end of it.
1: There you have it. You will not be sorry and you will be full in the end. That has been another conversation on the flip side of adversity. Thank you for listening in, and we look forward to you coming back next week as we continue another conversation on how to live strong on the flip side of adversity. Have a good one.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, The flip side of Adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.